Chapter Seventeen of Little Pilgrimages Among the Women Who Have Written Famous Books. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Little Pilgrimages Among the Women Who Have Written Famous Books by Edward Francis Harkins. Chapter Seventeen Anna Farquhar, Mrs. Bergengren i was twenty-two years old when i first went to boston to visit the family of my father's eldest brother mr john alston who at an early age there settled into business prosperity thus did a comparatively unknown writer who passed by the name of margaret alston introduce herself to the readers of the ladies home journal in a series of chapters called her boston experiences she had something to say something witty something satirical something caustic it was about baked beans beacon hill and the people who lived near by and she said it under a name of gentle and truly puritanic simplicity and quite in accord with the honest shafts of sarcasm she not only aimed at the dwellers of the hub but had before plunged with satire quite as delicate and sharp into that cosmopolitan assemblage of notables known as washington society the inner experiences of a cabinet officer's wife had been a faithful picture of the complexity of ambitions which the outsider who has eyes to see ears to hear and wit to appreciate would be astonished to meet with at the capital it had been so true to life in fact that certain personages began to remove the beam in their own eyes and with delicate introspection to question themselves and wonder if some of the characters were not within their own lives and as nothing interests the world especially the feminine world more than gossip or than skeleton-in-the-closet history it became immediately essential to that great assemblage which is directly answerable to the movement of governmental cogwheels to find out what a certain person who had more keenness of perception and more literary ability than they was saying about them that is what made this author an interrogation point which many desired to have explained and that is the reason why the inner experiences of a cabinet officer's wife was a story that found itself beside the glimmer of an unusual number of lamps upon an unusual number of library tables there are certain characteristics which men admire in each other above all others there are certainly some characteristics which they do not expect to find in women or if they do expect to find them they always imagine them to be far less developed than in one of their own sex that is the reason why the answer to the interrogation point above is in many respects a remarkable individual margaret alston's real name until january nineteen hundred was anna farquhar and as anna farquhar and as anna farquhar bergengren she has possessed the quality of perseverance in an extraordinary measure of scotch-english ancestry the forebears of anna farquhar first came to america in lord baltimore's time and were seated property of considerable extent at a distance some forty miles from baltimore in maryland to this blood may perhaps be traced her ardent affiliation with english friends and sympathy with english thinkers she was born december twenty third eighteen sixty five at brookville indiana 
her father being lawyer and congressman thus the author of certain phases of washington life was early associated with diplomacy and diplomatic ideas after a short residence in cincinnati ohio her family moved to indianapolis where mr farquhar became president of one of the foremost city banks here the daughter received the usual education that falls to the lot of an american girl whose family are in the best of circumstances similar to james russell lowell and other persons who left names of merit in literature or in art her particular aversion was the study of mathematics while still quite young she showed a distinct inclination towards languages and history and an overwhelming love for music at sixteen she attended a boarding-school in maryland but soon returned to a life of the gayest society educating her heels far better than her head will ever be educated but this life soon palled upon the girl with ambition for she had now determined upon a career and to obtain for herself a musical education in order to realize money for its pursuit the family property was mortgaged and she left her native town for boston the death of her father several years before had made this a possibility here she struggled nobly to cultivate her voice and soon received recognition of her growing musical powers by appointment to a position in a church choir but the raw east winds of new england had already begun to undermine a constitution never very robust and her throat was so affected that further study was useless the next few years of life were a gallant fight to attain sufficient strength to warrant a strenuous application to the musical career she was so bent upon and a residence in the genial maryland climate and in new york and washington stimulated the hope that in the end she might accomplish the longed-for results of her pains and energy it was now she first applied herself to literary work for not being able to sing she found in this an outlet for artistic expression the next years were a period of toil of sickness and of renewed literary endeavor as a teacher of singing she was still able to keep in touch with music and under the skilful treatment of a new york physician the lost voice gradually returned but it was very unstable a visit to england shortly after a short residence in boston where she had held an editorship on a periodical devoted to music decided her future career the years of patient endeavor to be a musician had unfortunately been wasted as far as permanent results were concerned for said london's foremost teacher of music your physique and temperament can never stand the strain of the musical life this was indeed a sad blow but the many disappointments which had come in years gone by had perhaps prepared her for the acknowledgment of failure not in willingness or in fortitude or in bravery but in physical strength to stand the wear and tear of an exacting and strenuous profession it is for this grit and determination that anna farquhar is admired by her friends and it is for this reason that her literary career has been a succession of upward steps upon the rungs of the ladder of literary fame she herself says that hers is the gospel of work that for years her life has been one of unremitting hard labor and struggle for very existence a motto which hung in her room during her years of fierce combat bore the words 
all things come round to those who but will wait and she says to this i added out of my own belief and work work is the highest privilege and hope of mankind and of late years i have taken to myself the beautiful italian proverb when god shuts a door he opens a window these are incidents which but prove her indomitable spirit of perseverance a singer's heart published in boston was her first literary endeavor and to some extent expressed the professional ambitions which she herself had experienced in her musical career although it was not a popular production its notices were most flattering and when a certain philadelphia paper of distinct literary conservatism bought twelve copies for its editorial staff her spirits were naturally raised and stimulated to renewed endeavor the inner experiences of a cabinet officer's wife she was well qualified to pen for the associations she had formed with the life of the capital were those which eminently fitted her for a description of the inside political and social workings of its complexities a host of personal letters which crowded her mail showed that some shafts had struck dangerous ground but the story swung gracefully on through threatened libel suits and denunciations of every description there was not a single specific and living character in city life that was intentionally put down she says with perhaps one exception and that was of a woman and by her permission the professor's daughter first appeared in the saturday evening post when it had its great expansion a few years ago it was the story of simple people in a simple rhode island country neighborhood whose characteristics she well knew for among them she has lived a quiet studious life for many summers it contained that human element which has made both shakespeare and mark twain immortal and it was very popular her boston experiences which first appeared in a magazine ran through many editions in book form as some worthy new englander has said any good bostonian who doesn't mind a bit of satire at his own expense may send this description of his beloved city to strangers and foreigners with the serene conviction that they will thus gain a better idea of the place and society than any number of guide-books could afford it was trenchant frank and comic and gave an excellent picture of many sides of boston life it stopped at least one sale of real estate by a satirical slap at a part of town the reputation of which was morally questionable and it is said that a cambridge professor has permanently annexed it to his lectures to be read to the students as an antidote for some of his driest hours but this was not art of the highest type and a woman who had studied the lives of carlyle huxley darwin spencer and other great thinkers of the middle nineteenth century in order to imbibe their spirit of work and energy was naturally desirous of accomplishing something of greater and more lasting artistic excellence as a result of a sympathetic acquaintance with the territory occupied by the french jesuits at the earliest period of their missionary efforts in north america and also with mr parkman's history of their vigorous lives she received a vivid impression of the romantic possibilities of that period this led to a rapid development of the romantic complications surrounding the hero of the devil's plough 
but the study of the french characteristics and habits of the seventeenth century required the painstaking investigation of several months before the plot could be expanded into a book the material once at her command the writing took but a short time when the book had been completed she was temporarily exhausted too much dramatic force had been expended in the preparation as a play in fact it was first conceived and that is why it found such immediate favor with the dramatic profession when it appeared in book form the story is of a struggle between pure ideals and the baser emotions in which the higher impulse eventually triumphs it is not strange then that her feelings were similar to that of a great perhaps the greatest american sculptor who after completing a statue of marvellous spirit and expression was forced to retire to the quiet of a country life for full six months in january nineteen hundred anna farquhar was married to ralph bergengren a talented boston journalist the marriage took place under circumstances of unusual romance for they were wedded at the side of her bed of illness with only two or three witnesses present as a type of anglo-saxon womanhood mrs bergengren well exhibits her english ancestry above the medium height with light hair blue eyes high color and regular features her personal appearance distinctly announces the land of her forefathers that peculiar look of high intellectuality which is so marked in many literary women of our own country is very prominent in the expression of her face as a conversationalist she is brilliant and is consequently much sought after as an addition to society but i seldom go she says because i am here to work and work and society are fatal and absolute enemies her literary method is to walk miles and miles when a story comes to me and when my story people begin to talk i sit and stitch on some hand sewing when a man would smoke until everything is ready to go down then it goes like an explosion of ideas so to speak followed by careful modelling and severe searching criticism with an individual who is so eager in the endeavour to perfect her art it is indeed to be expected that the masterpiece will yet come although in her own words she tells us that i cannot say that i have a conquest of the world in view my ambition is simply to do my best End of chapter 17